0: Hi, this is Walter Koenig, and you're listening to TV Confidential. With Robertson along with our guest, Mark Cushman. Mark's latest book, These Are the Voyages, Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek in the 1970s, is a three-volume history of Star Trek slash biography of Gene Roddenberry that chronicles the ten-year period span of the cancellation of the original Star Trek in 1969 and continuing through the making and the release of Star Trek The Motion Picture in 1979, a 10-year period in which Gene Roddenberry experienced many ups and downs in film, in television, and in his personal life, while Star Trek itself became a worldwide phenomenon. These are the voyages Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek in the 1970s Volumes 1, 2, and three available from our friends at Jacobs Brown Media Group, as well as Amazon.com and other online retailers. Mark Cushman's website, Mark Cushman, M-A-R-C, Cushman.com. One of the other fun things about your books, I mean, not, not just uh, These Are the Voyages, Star Trek, and Gene Roddenberry, 1970s, Volume 2, but all of your books, Mark, is besides... The detailed research, including the production memos, which are really, really insightful because they give you a window into Roddenberry's mind and his frustration dealing with uh, network executives. But uh, you debunk many myths or urban legends, as they're now known today. Uh, One of the biggest urban legends is that we we mentioned earlier that uh, Star Trek Phase 2 had it gone forward, would have gone forward without Leonard Nimoy because he was not available at the time. Uh One of the biggest myths that you debunk in Volume 2 of your Roddenberry biography is that when Paramount first announced that they were going to do a Star Trek motion picture in early 1975, the myth is that uh, Nimoy was the only cast member who didn't want to do it, but you dispute that?
1: Yeah, and and not just from the interview I got from Leonard Nimoy before he passed away, but from archival interviews as well, uh, from newspaper archive articles. I was able to find where he was being interviewed at the moment, and I like to do that because it, it's it's important that they tell me something, but I want to make sure that that's what they were telling other people at the time. Yeah, because we can all change our minds, we can all reinvent history, we can all misremember. Uh, but no, he was very consistent uh, all along, and, and you see his, his notes to uh, Paramount as well, responding in writing, and, um, and he's saying, I, I'm not available to do this. I'm going to be on Broadway for six months. If you're determined you're going to shoot it during this period of time, I can't be there. If you postpone it, I can be there, but we do have another issue to clean up. You haven't been paying me. My, my royalties. Yeah. <laughs> and you haven't been paying William Shatner, and you haven't been paying anybody their royalties. So we need to get this business tidied up, and you need to schedule it for a time when I could do this. Uh, because Leonard had the same attitude as Gene Roddenberry. Um, he had mixed feelings about Star Trek. It was a love hate relationship, mostly love, but uh, no hate, but yeah. I, I just use that expression because he knew that, you know, it could typecast him. And he was always trying to break free of that typecasting so he wouldn't just be known as Spock. So for him to put the ears back on and go back and play that character, you know, he had to go through a lot of soul-searching. But in the end, he would say the same thing Gene Roddenberry would say. I don't want them to do it without me. I don't want somebody else playing the character. You know, I, that, that character is part of me. I gave birth to that character. I have to be there to take care of it just like Gene wanted to be there to take care of Star Trek. So Nimoy was willing to do it, but he got a bad rap at that time because also he put out his book, I Am Not Spock, and if anybody reads that book, you realize it's very pro-Star Trek. It's him having conversations with Spock. Uh, but the title made it sound like he was putting Star Trek down, just like Walter K- Koenig's new book says, Beaming Up and Getting Off. and, that, and you can, I, I love that title, but it can sound like it's a title that's putting it down. I'm getting away from this. I don't want to do this. That's not what it is. It's just Walter's sense of humor.
0: Beaming up and getting off Life Before and Beyond Star Trek by Walter Koenig, also available through our friends at jacosroundmediagroup.com, amazon.com, where books are sold online. If all goes well, Walter Koenig will join us in February on TV Confidential. Speaking of and this this goes back to how we began our conversation. Volume two of your Roddenberry biography, like volume one of your Roddenberry biography, and I imagine volume three, when we talk about that later in the year, Mark, is they are not glorified biographies. They are warts and all biographies. And that yeah. going back to your background as a screenwriter and and presenting a character and letting the reader see the evolution of that character, their ups and downs, their triumphs, and their tragedies, you very much show Roddenberry as a full-bodied person, you know? Because he was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we and, all are. And, and that's another thing, you know, when, when I've had friends who've written autobiographies, and it's like they, they don't want to show any of their, their dark side or any of their mistakes, and it's like, but we all have that. And, and when you write a movie, you know, like I have, you know, you, you show the character uh, in their good light and their bad light, uh, because you have, you have to divulge all of it so that we can see who they truly are and, and what they have to deal with. And usually the biggest problem for a character is themselves. You know, it's man against man, man against nature, man against himself. And uh, to try to overcome their problems. Uh, and so Gene was always very candid with me. You know, he, he wasn't the, the type to not talk about mistakes he had made. And one thing his son, Rod Roddenberry, said to me after uh, these books started coming out was, he said, I like the fact that you don't paint my father as a saint. Yeah. You know, that that you show him as a real person who made mistakes. And he would have liked that as well. And, uh, and so that's what we do. So we're not putting him down, but you know, his, his own letters and his own memos will show you that, uh, you, you, know, you see, you see what he's going through. Uh, he could have gotten along better with NBC when Star Trek was on, he could have gotten along better with Paramount, uh, but he would get upset and, uh, it would be two different opinions and, uh, they would butt heads. And so you see all that going on. Uh, I, I admire Gene Roddenberry and, uh, uh, but, you know, something that happened to him during this period, and especially it comes out of Volume 3, I know we're focusing more on Volume 2 at the moment, but, you know, he, he was drinking more yeah. and and stuff, and it was starting to obscure his judgment. Well, you know, he was being driven to drink. <laughs> yeah, if,
0: if, if, if you're being jerked around, so to speak, uh, for four years, you know, with all these – you're getting your hopes up and then getting crashing and ups and crashing and, 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 and at one point it affected him physically, you know. Yes. Uh, I mean, he was literally on his back after a bad fall and yes. that was testing him physically and mentally you know, as, as he's going through all this stuff with the studio. Yeah, I mean, it's... And, uh, and
1: for anybody who's had uh, back pain, and when I say back pain I don't just mean that it hurts a little, I mean that you're laid up, that you can't walk, you can't sit, Yeah. You're, literally flat on your back for weeks and weeks and weeks uh... which i've had that problem walter uh, we were talking about as well uh... and gene had that at, at that point he took a fall on icy sidewalk while out doing his uh... uh speaking engagements back east and he was uh, laid up for quite a while uh... right while paramount was being in one of their indecisive moments and they had put him through all this work and now they were pulling the plug and it wasn't known if they were going to reactivate it. Well, something that happens to you emotionally when you're stuck in bed like that is you feel so helpless. Yeah. And, and you, you can't even get up and do anything. I mean, every, just reaching over and picking up something is a, is a challenge. Uh, so it affects your thinking. It affects your emotions. Uh, so, and, and your emotions can impact the, the injury. You may not get as well as quick, you know, because there's all this negativity going through your body and it takes positive thought to get out of bed. Yep. So it, it, it feeds itself. And so, yeah, it, it was uh, an emotional thing that turned into a physical thing, and that, that increased the emotional thing. It, it just, it's just like a domino effect.
0: Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. These are The Voyages, Gene Roddenberry and uh, Star Trek in the 1970s, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, available through JacobsBrownMediaGroup.com, Amazon.com, other online retailers. Mark Cushman's website, uh, markcushman.com. You can also follow Mark on Facebook. Uh, Walter Koenig's uh, memoir, Beaming Up and Getting Off, Life Before and Beyond Star Trek, also available through our friends at Jacob's Brown Media Group. Walter is, you know, like all the other cast members of Star Trek, Walter is a character in in the Roddenberry tri- trilogy, Mark. Uh, and in volume two, in particular, I there uh, there there are times I had to put the book down. Said poor Walter Koenig, because uh, 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 I'll, I'll set this up and I'll let you explain it. Okay. But uh, when it came to the the talks about resurrecting Star Trek as a motion picture, Walter got left out.
1: Yeah, he got left out a lot. And poor Walter, I mean, he's a friend of mine, and I interviewed him for these books, of course, so I interviewed everybody, I mean, from Shatner to Nimoy, all, yeah. on down the line. But uh, Walter in particular, because he's a friend. And um, and he was always the guy left out, because he was the last to arrive. Yeah. You know, Chekhov wasn't introduced until the beginning of the first, the, the second season of the original series. Uh, and, and so they kind of seniority ruled. Uh, so when they did the animated series, which we cover in Volume 1 of this, this three-book set, uh, you know they didn't have enough money to bring back all the actors in voice. Uh, so, so Walter was left out, which surprised me when I was uh, uh, young and watching this show as a teenager, the animated show. Uh, and I thought, well, you'd think Chekhov would be the one character they'd want to have in there because yeah. he's the one kids will relate to the mm-hmm. most. But it was a seniority thing. And so the same thing when they were developing uh, the movie and the TV series. Now, he was supposed to be involved, and he was under contract, but he was the last one to get called in. He would go through such neurosis over it, which he's so candid in admitting, Yeah. you know, because he would be calling George Decay, and say, have they called you yet? Say, well, <laughs> well, yes, Walter, they've called me, and they would called Michelle. <laughs> have they called you? Yes, they've called me. And and he'd be sitting there thinking, why don't they like me? <laughs>
0: which is which is which is a very relatable reaction because uh every every actor every actor jokes about i mean no, no matter how successful no matter how many heights they reach every actor jokes about it but it's really true yeah. what am i going to do after this will i get another job because you never know it's because the the industry it is something every artist faces and uh
1: uh, and so, and, and let's admit it: there's a double-edged sword to becoming a character on a popular TV show. Yeah, because before the original Star Trek uh, got on TV, James Doohan worked all the time. I mean, he, he you know, he would get dozens of jobs a year uh, as a character actor. And Walter Koenig was coming up; he was younger, but he was coming up and getting a lot of parts. And then the minute Star Trek gets canceled in 1969, their phones aren't ringing, because uh, people say, "Hey, how about James Doohan? Let's put him in this part." No, the character doesn't have a Scottish accent. Well, he didn't have a Scottish accent; only Scotty did. Yeah. Uh, you know, but they—you get pigeonholed. And now Walter is the guy with the Russian accent, you know. And and we're before Star Trek; he was playing all kinds of characters. So you 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 have to worry about that, and you hope that. You just make enough money off of a series to where it's okay not working anymore.
0: In, in Walter's case, he was able to shift gears in that, in addition to his talent as an actor, Walter was and still is a very gifted. Writer and uh, he he had he had branched out uh, into screenwriting in the early nineteen seventies. We mentioned this in when we talked about volume one that he wrote a couple episodes in the animated series. At one point, Roddenberry hired him uh, during one of the ups and downs of, of of the development of the original Star Trek motion picture. Roddenberry had a script called the God Thing mm-hmm. that got shot down and. While he was picking himself up and dusting himself off, he decided, okay, maybe I'll adapt this as an, as, as a novel. and he hired Walter to help him that.
1: Right. Um, yeah, the script uh, the, the script title was Star Trek Two. Not to be confused with Rathecom, which came later. Yeah. but that that was the uh, the title of the script. That was the first script Roddenberry wrote in seventy five to be the motion picture that Paramount rejected. Uh, because they were bothered by the, uh, the religious aspect of it. But Gene loved it, and it's a good script. Yeah. I mean, I've read it, and I talk about it in the book, and give you a real good, clear idea of it. Uh, but uh, uh, they turned it down with the form letters. So, <laughs> so <laughs> That's they, the amazing thing. created Star Trek, gets a form letter from Paramount. Thank yeah. you for submitting the script. Uh, we're going to pass. And, and so Gene started to write it into a novel, and uh, only got about halfway it, if even, uh, and then he was given some other work, you and I know that feeling, you know, you know in the middle of a project, mm-hmm. suddenly uh, a good paying job comes in and we've we got to take it. And, um, and so he handed it off to Walter and said, you want to finish writing this novel version? Here's the script that it's, it's going to be based on. Here's what I've written. Why don't you finish it? And Walter uh, finished writing that thing. And that's when it got the title, The God Thing. And um, as, as the novel. It was Gene's title, but yeah. that was the title for the novel. And, uh, and Walter turns it in and then doesn't get a phone call for <laughs> a long time, and yeah. he's going through all kinds of anxiety about, did I not do a good job? Yeah. Everything else, where it's just Gene got really busy and, and had lost interest in the book uh, at that point. But uh, it's, it, that's what I love about Walter, is he's so candid about things we all go through things we all worry about, you know, and, and but he's got the courage to come out and admit it.
0: These are The Voyages, Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek in the 1970s, Volumes 1, 2, and 3 by our guest Mark Cushman, available through jacosbrownmediagroup.com, amazon.com, other online retailers. You can follow Mark Cushman on Facebook, Walter Koenig's memoir, Beaming Up and Getting Off, Life Before and Beyond Star Trek, also available through jacobsbrownmediagroup.com, amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Mark will be back in two weeks on TV Confidential for part two of our conversation about Gene Roddenberry and the path that eventually led to the production of Star Trek The Motion Picture. Among other things, we will talk about Roddenberry's encounter with a mysterious group called The Nine and the direct line between The Nine and the eventual production of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We'll also talk about the interesting relationship between Space 1999 and Star Trek, including how critics originally embraced the show when it premiered in 1975 and how quickly critics and viewers turned on the show when they realized that space 1999 was, in many respects, everything that Star Trek wasn't. That is coming up in two weeks when we continue our conversation with Mark Cushman about the life and career of Gene Roddenberry. Please join us for that. In the meantime, we'll take a quick time out and we'll take a look at this week in TV history right after this. You can now purchase t-shirts, mugs, Caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. Cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. Alexa users, you can now listen to TV Confidential on your smart speaker by just saying, Alexa, play TV Confidential. Enabling our Alexa skill is easy. To find out how, go to televisionconfidential.com slash Alexa. 45 years of the Rockford Files, revised third edition. The complete history of the Rockford Files on television, now completely updated with more than 20 new interviews, additional photographs, and a whole lot more. 45 years of the Rockford Files, available now at rockford45.com, rockford45.com